Welcome to The Aggressive Life. I'm going to do something aggressive today, and that is I'm going to talk about something that half of you are not going to like me pissed off about. We live in an incredible, divided country. You can't talk about anything that's a current event without half of everybody disagreeing and getting upset, and yet I'm a sicko, and I'm going to do it anyway because I care for you and your health. We're going to talk COVID today. Actually, I'm not going to talk COVID. We're going to talk COVID with the senior scientific medical official in the entire land. We're 18 months into this deal with COVID. Most of us are more confused, more frustrated, more pissed off than ever before. Public health has become politicized. Everyone has an opinion. Few people are informed, and it's hard to know who to trust. Today, we're going to try to cut through the clutter of your social media feed and news app by going right to the best source of information, Dr. Francis Collins. This isn't about me or my opinion. It's about giving you direct access to the top guy in the land. He is the nation's premier scientist. He's the director of the National Institute for Health. He literally mapped the human genome, the first human that did so and led the led the team. Anthony Fauci reports to him He's a man of deep faith. He's a family man, and he's a motorcycle rider, so he can't be all that bad. He's a, he's a guy I trust. We talked with him several months ago. I came into the podcast looking to be aggressive, bringing all my views and all of my information that I had gleaned, and really wanted to jam the top guy in the land on this whole vaccine thing and it not being a big deal, and why are we doing this? And I, I just came in really really certain that I was not going to get a vaccine and I was going to be the one that kind of shed light on this. So stupid me. (laughs) I'm a freaking podcast host. Like I'm going to shed light on the most divisive and annoying issue of our time. But that's what I did. And what do you know? The guy got me to do something I wasn't planning on doing. Have a needle stuck in my arm. I think one of the reasons why this is very difficult for us is we're all sick of being told what to do. We feel like we're losing control of our life. I'm losing control of my morality, may not be in vogue depending on what your morality is. I'm being told what to do around work life that I wasn't being told what to do before. I'm being told that this is the right view you should have about something. I'm being told how many, how many hours a week I should work out, what I should do with my kids. And we're all beaten down. And finally, finally, after being beaten down and being told what to do, we're finally, many of us are like, that's it. I'm drawing the line. You're not going to stick me with the needle. That's the one thing I control is my body. I do control my body. And you're not going to stick me with the needle. Some of us may be feeling that way. I know I was feeling that way. And I ended up getting the vaccine and more questions persist. Hey, let's get truth from people who understand what's happening. That would be Dr. Francis Collins. I don't know if you ever saw the old What About Bob? Dr. Leo Marvin. Well, today we have Dr. Francis Collins, welcome to The Aggressive Life. Great to be with you again to talk about whatever you want to talk about. All right. Well, I've been asking on social media feeds what questions people have, and I just want to, I'm going to pitch them up to you, and then you can tell us, like, the really real on data and what's going on, okay? I'll do my best. So here's one question. Top five questions that the, the form of these questions comes up again and again. Here it is. For herd immunity to take place, 
the vaccine has to do two things, prevent infection and prevent transmission to others. The vaccines don't do this. Are they really the answer? Well, okay, there's a lot packed into that, including a couple of things that aren't quite right. So let me see what I can do. So what is herd immunity? Herd immunity is the point at which in a population, there's a sufficient amount of resistance uh, to the pathogen that it basically doesn't have a chance to keep replicating. In a strict mathematical sense, that means that an infected person infects less than one other person, uh, what you call R-naught. So I don't want to get too into those weeds, but basically it says it's going to die out because it's no longer having a chance to extend into more and more people. Ideally, in a perfect world, we would love it if everybody was vaccinated and the vaccines were 100% successful in preventing infection and transmission. That virtually never happens, and it didn't happen here either. To be honest, we're a little disappointed uh, that the vaccines have made it still possible for people to get infected, so-called breakthrough cases. But let me be clear, those are mild for the most part. They're not people getting sick in the hospital or the ICU or ending up dying. So the vaccines are still by far the best protection we've got. But it makes it a little harder to get to herd immunity when you could still have somebody who was vaccinated, who got infected, and potentially could be passing it on to other people. The recent data, though, from Israel suggesting the vaccines have done a lot to drive down that r naught figure. And so they're on the right path. We're just not quite there. And again, let's be clear, the alternative of people not being vaccinated means that the only way you get to herd immunity is everybody gets infected and that a lot more people are going to die. Hmm. Well, that ties into the, the next question is, uh, isn't natural immunity more robust than vaccine immunity? As a man of faith, do you have any misgivings about bypassing your God-given immune system? That's a great question. And I understand a lot of people are faith are asking that same question. Wouldn't it be just more natural to go on and get infected? Well, the problem with that, of course, is a lot of those people are going to get very sick and some of them are going to die. Let's sort of turn the clock back to polio. Yeah, we could have let polio run rampant through the whole population. A lot of kids would have gotten paralyzed or died. And then ultimately we would have gotten to a complete immunity, but the vaccine prevented all that. And polio is now essentially eradicated, which seems to me like a God-given opportunity for science to come to our rescue and to answer our prayers. Same with COVID. Yeah, vaccines are not the natural way to get immunity, but they work really well to activate your immune system. And if God gave us the opportunity through science to understand this virus and to be able to develop a way to generate that immunity without having to get really sick, that seems like a gift, an answer to prayer, something we should be celebrating and giving thanks for. And I'm speaking as a person of faith. It troubles me that sometimes people seem to have this idea that either you got to be a person of faith and you just trust God or you trust science. But wait a minute, God can be giving us answers to prayers through science. How do we do science anyway? It's because we had this gift from the creator to understand creation. And for me as a believer, science is very much part of God's plan. It's even a form of worship of understanding the creation we've been given. It's interesting how we want to leave things to God in areas that we don't want to deal with. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it to God and I'm not going to save for retirement 
that works really well for you until you're 65. And uh, I just want to leave it to God and, and not have a vaccine. It works really well for you until something happens. We had a, just a heart-wrenching death here at our church recently, a just awful funeral of a, of a young dad with two young kids who was scheduled for a vaccine in four days. And he, uh, he, they had, a, they had a, a prayer meeting for somebody, and two of the people at the prayer meeting uh, did were vaccinated and six were not. All six who were not got deathly ill and he died. And um, just heartbreaking. You know, it's really, really oh. difficult. I don't, I, I don't find myself wanting, waiting for God to regenerate my eyeballs. I get LASIK surgery, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are in different perspectives. That, that, going off the, the questions here, I, I have another for you. I just came up this morning. This is just my own personal question. Interact with a guy today who got polio when he was a kid. He's in his uh, 70s, I would say, Skip is. And he said when he got polio, it affected his, uh, his voice. He's got a little bit of a gravelly voice, and you can see where the indentation is on his, on his voice box. And, and then he said, I had never heard this before. The polio thing had a reverberation effect 35 years later for him to where now the right side of his body is decreasing in mobility. I didn't know that was a thing. Is that a thing? And could we be looking at something like that with COVID for those of us who've contracted COVID 35 years from now? So he's talking about what's called the post-polio syndrome, uh, which appears to be an immune response long after the fact uh, to damaged areas that were affected by the polio virus and the immune system uh, then does another number on them as best as we can understand it. Very unusual, very puzzling. With COVID, we do know that people who get the illness can have prolonged symptoms. That's another reason to think about getting the vaccine. It's not just about preventing an acute illness, but some people seem to stay uh, not themselves for months at a time, so-called long COVID. We don't know how long those symptoms may last. There's certainly people now a year out from their infection who are still fatigued. They're still having palpitations. They have brain fog where it's just hard to get your concentration where it should be to the point where they can't work. Another reason I think we have to take this virus so seriously, I don't know whether some of those individuals will gradually get back to normal or not. So we didn't expect that from a respiratory virus, but here we are. Another question, were the vaccines created using aborted fetal cells? I feel strongly about that issue. I know a lot of people are very concerned about that. I understand that. There are cell lines that have been used in biotechnology for 40 or 50 years, obtained from pregnancy terminations in Scandinavia that were legal at the time in the 1970s. Neither the Pfizer nor the Moderna mRNA vaccines are grown in those cell lines. They don't need to be. They're mRNA. They're synthesized. Uh, in a laboratory without the need for cells to grow in. The J&J vaccine is grown in a fetal cell line. That's how you make that particular vector, which is an adenovirus vector. So for people who are really concerned about this, you might want to know the difference. I will say the Catholic Church has looked at this closely, and they're obviously very much in the pro-life area. And they've concluded that it is okay for Catholics to accept any of these vaccines since they are potentially life-saving. So if it's grown, the J&J vaccine, which is what I have, you're, uh, I hadn't thought about this, you're saying it's grown in a cell line from aborted fetuses a long, long time ago in 
a single aborted fetus probably in about 1970, and that cell line has been growing continuously in laboratories ever since. So it's pretty far away from that original event. And I don't think some people have misunderstood this to say, oh, they're using new aborted fetuses right now to prepare these vaccines. No, that's not true. <laughs> it is so good having somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. This is fantastic. This is great. Okay, <laughs> ne- next question. Um, the inconsistency in messaging is causing me to lose trust. First, we heard COVID didn't affect kids. Now I'm being asked to mask kids as young as two years old and feeling pressured to vaccinate my young kids when it becomes available. Is COVID really as bad in kids as adults? If so, why the inconsistency in messaging? I'm really glad you're putting this one forward because it does seem as if the messages have changed. But you know what? There's a reason for that. It's because the virus has changed and our scientific understanding of it has changed. You know, if you were somebody who invested in the stock market and two weeks ago they told you you should sell and this week they told you you should buy, I don't think you'd call them flip-flopping. You'd say, oh, the circumstances have changed. Well, that happens in science all the time particularly this Delta variant, which is so contagious, is affecting a lot more kids. And there is at least a sense on the part of pediatricians that kids who get Delta are sicker than the ones a year ago who were getting the original variant. There are more kids in the hospital, more than 2,000 of them right now today. And we've lost more uh, kids actually fatally. Uh, More than 400 kids have died of COVID-19. Now, let's be clear. Kids are much less likely to get seriously ill than adults, but it's still a chance. It's not zero. Hence the reason for recommending the mask. You don't want the kids to have to get sick if they don't really need to. The other reason, of course, is schools need to be in session. We need kids to be there with each other for learning purposes, for social interactions. If kids are running around in the school without masks, there's going to be an outbreak. And then what happens? Everybody has to go home again and learn virtually. And that's what we're trying to avoid. It really is distressing to me that the masking of kids in schools has turned into such an intensely emotional and often political situation when it's just common sense. We're trying to keep this virus from having more outbreaks amongst kids, which will send them home and send some of them potentially to the hospital. Yeah, well, I think that is because the the average person still has not had COVID hit close to them. I mean, it's been awful what's happened, but you know, I, I had my first one that wasn't an older person, wasn't in high risk, you know, and this came in with this young family. It was like, wow, you know, well, that's me. I'm I'm dealing with a lot, a lot of people in the church that I lead. And um, the average person, it's not, it's not hit home close to them yet. I think that's probably why some of that is. I think that's right, Brian. And even though we've lost 630,000 people to this virus, a lot of people don't know somebody personally who's on that list. And maybe the assumption had been up until more recently that these were mostly people uh, in nursing homes. Well, not anymore. The average person in the hospital right now with COVID-19 is under age 50. And there are plenty of 20-year-olds on ventilators right now. This virus, particularly the Delta, just doesn't care about how healthy you might be. It's looking for you. All the more reason to get the vaccine. Because if you look at who's in the hospital, it's 99% unvaccinated people. If you doubted the effectiveness of the vaccine, just go by the ICU and see who's there and who's not there. Mm. All right, another question. 
Can you speak to the safety of vaccines and fertility, pregnancy, breastfeeding? There are a lot of fears about long-term effects around this. I totally understand that. And of course, we've all been sensitized and well, we should be about anything during pregnancy that might be a risk to the baby or to the mother. So it's important to look and see what data do we have. And we have a lot now because, goodness, uh, there have been um, 170 million people who've been fully immunized, including a fair number of pregnant women. And when you look closely to see what happens, first of all, there has been absolutely no negative consequence on the baby, no increase in miscarriages or birth defects. And furthermore, what we have learned is that pregnant women are particularly susceptible to the severe form of COVID-19 if they get infected with the virus. You don't want that. We have heartbreaking stories of women in the late stages of pregnancy who are ending up severely ill, losing the baby, and sometimes dying themselves. All of that preventable by the vaccine. So if there was ever a case to be made for going forward in pregnancy with a vaccine, this is really it. It doesn't seem to have any negative effects for women who are breastfeeding either. It may actually allow the mother to pass her immunity uh, to the baby because that's in breast milk. And that's also the case uh, when the baby is born, if the mom got immunized during the pregnancy. So this is a gift you can give to your little one. As far as fertility, there's a lot on the internet about this, (laughs) that somehow the vaccine is going to cause male or female infertility absolutely no data to support that and lots of data to say, no, that's not the case. So please, if you've seen those kinds of claims out there, be really skeptical. Ask for the evidence. You will not find any. Well, this is this is the problem, Francis, is that when I get in debates about this, everybody says the same thing. They say, well, just look at the data. Look at the data. I mean, on both sides, they say, look at the data because it appears like you can find data someplace to support what you believe. And this is one of them. It does right. the data, is the data, um, where, where, where does this data come from that it might be not good for you to have a child or is there real data out there? Or do we just say those kind of things? Well, who do you trust? How do you decide what information you can believe in? This is a major challenge for us in this country right now. And that's certainly true for people of faith as well. We are people who are looking for the truth. We know the truth will set us free, but how do you find the truth? Again, you got to figure out what's a credible source. And that latest post on Facebook, maybe not the one that you should put your family's health at risk for. Look at the places that will give you the evidence where you can see where it came from. CDC is the gold standard. It's hard to deal with their website. It's really complicated, but it's all there. Or go to a site called getvaccineanswers.org. Getvaccineanswers, just one word, .org. Or go to Google and type in, we can do this. Another place where you'll see a lot of well-validated, evidence-based answers to the questions people commonly ask in simple, straightforward terms without having to click through 49 different pages to find what you're looking for. It's out there, but you don't want to be influenced by the latest thing that came through on Twitter because a lot of that, frankly, is just stuff that people are making up. Uh, The idea that there are chips in the vaccine and that people are going to follow you around no, they're not. The idea that you're going to become magnetic. My, uh, really? My cell phone service has been fantastic since I got vaccinated. I don't know what that's about, but it's wonderful. I got to tell you, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, your television is better than it's ever been too, I'm sure. All right. How about this one? I don't even know how to ask this one because I don't even know what this is. I'll just admit my scientific naivety here. 
RNA. Oh, it's RNA. It messes up your RNA. Your RNA. What? What? What is RNA? Is this vaccine messing up your RNA? What's the? What is? The, what is the whole RNA vaccine thing about? Well, God's creation put in place this amazing system that our bodies utilize uh, to keep ourselves healthy. You have this instruction book called DNA, and then that gets transcribed into RNA, which is the message that allows that instruction book to be put into action to make proteins. So what was done with mRNA vaccines, and that's the Pfizer and the Moderna, is if you want to actually generate a protein, a spike protein, I'll show you my model here. <laughs> this is this coronavirus. You want the immune system to be prepared for the spikes that are on the surface of that virus. So if the virus comes along, the immune system is ready for it. So all of the vaccines depend on raising antibodies against that spike protein. So you could inject the protein itself. That's what the Novavax vaccine is trying to do. It's not approved yet, but it probably will be. Or you could figure out a way to take the DNA that codes for that spike protein and put it into a virus vector. That's what J&J does. Or why not, in a clever way, take the messenger RNA that has the instructions to make that spike protein. It's not DNA, it's RNA. Inject that into the muscle and the muscle cell goes, oh, that's mRNA. I know what to do with that. I'll make a protein. And it does. And then the immune system goes, oh, I don't recognize that protein. I'm going to make an antibody to it. And then you've got what you need. It's very clever. It's very straightforward. It's built on, you know, the principles of molecular biology, which for me as a scientist are an amazing example of God's creation. And if people are trying to tell you, well, that's messing up your DNA. No, it's not. It's RNA. And it's very short lived. It's in your system, maybe for a couple of days, and then it gets degraded. But by then, you've done what you needed to, to make the protein and to get the immune system activated. So there is or is not some danger whenever you're messing with RNA? Again, I, I understand a little bit now you just told me, but I've just heard this so many times. Oh, mess with your RNA, your RNA doesn't. Is there, is there anything to be concerned about on that front? I don't see it. Um, I've spent my whole life studying <clears throat> genetics, which is DNA, RNA, and protein and how they work together. If you're trying to basically prime your immune system, this is a great way to do it. Well, what would you know? You're only the first human being to map the human genome. I mean, what would you, <laughs> I, I, I mean, how would I possibly, how would I possibly trust you? You only were the, the senior DNA research analyst leader of, in the land. I don't know. What, I, 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 I think I got a couple of YouTube videos I have to show you. So that, just, just to set you straight and see what, <laughs> oh gosh. I can't wait. <laughs> oh my. I just tell you, that was a frustration when I had you on last time. You were so clear. You, you talked me out of. You taught me actually into getting the vaccine. I wasn't going to do it. You did. And, uh, and just like everyone and their brother is coming to me with, oh, this is the YouTube video. They listen to this chiropractor. And I'm going, I already, the ace of spades already got played on me who mapped the human genome, who's filled with the Holy Spirit as a man of faith. Who had a, a, Ace of Spades been played. There's there's no chiropractor or naturalist that's going to be able to compete with the scientific know-how. So anyway, um, that was something that's been interesting for me. All right, here's another one here. I, I know we're winding down. Uh, here's what's all viruses mutate. Is there really any hope for this ever going away? Mm. 
Well, that's a good question. And we've certainly seen this virus mutate. Uh, we started with the original virus and then we got alpha and beta and gamma. And now we got delta in a big way. I, the mutations don't happen at a very high level, but we have so many people infected that even an occasional mutation, if it provides an advantage to the virus by making it more contagious, which Delta certainly does, then it starts to spread. The best way to prevent future mutations is to tamp down the number of people who are infected. Another reason to get everybody vaccinated as quickly as possible for the future of where we're going. It's possible that this particular virus will ultimately end up more in what you call an endemic phase where it's around. We will all need boosters now and then to prevent getting really sick from it. Uh, it seems at this point unlikely that we're on the, on the crux of getting rid of it because even though we in the US have worked really hard at that, here we still are in a surge in the rest of the world is a much more vulnerable place having had much less access to vaccines and they're clamoring for that. Even as here in the US, people, 80 million of them haven't yet taken advantage, which they're very puzzled by, by the way. So yeah, we need to be prepared. This can be around for a while, but we can manage it. We can manage it so much better with vaccinations, with mitigation strategies like mask wearing, as tired as everybody is of this, and I get that and I'm tired of it too, but the virus isn't tired of us. And until we get to the point where we have better control than we do right now, it's kind of up to all of us to do what we can to push back uh, the spread of this, especially on behalf of those vulnerable people who can't get immunized, the kids under 12, the people with cancer or an organ transplant. We got to protect them. This is the love your neighbor part of the message. Okay, last question for you. Talk about some are struggling with is this a faith issue? The Bible doesn't talk about being vaccinated, so should I be concerned about it? Also concerned about freedom. How do I balance public health with my personal freedom of choice? This is kind of outside the scientific realm. This is more in the personal life philosophy realm for you. Just just talk about it, about anything in that area that we might need to hear. Well, I'm a big proponent of freedom also, but also that has to be balanced with responsibilities, especially for Christians who are called to reach out to others who are hurting and needing assistance. If we all are about freedom and we skip the responsibility part, that doesn't sound like what Jesus called us to do either. This is a circumstance, I think, where both of those play in uh, and the responsibility to try both to immunize yourself against the virus and to help others around you not to get infected because of you is a really important part of this. I think as people of faith, we can look at other ways in which science has come to answer prayers. I mentioned polio earlier, but many others. Would you say that somebody who has cancer and who's being offered one of these amazing immunotherapy protocols that might actually save their lives, does that mean that's not a person of faith? No, I think that's somebody who's counting on their prayers to be answered in whatever way God can figure out how to do it. And God knows a lot better than we do. So we should be welcoming those kinds of interventions and why this vaccine should be so different. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If your child was sick with a fever uh, and the doc says, oh, this kid's got a terrible strep throat, would you turn down the penicillin and say, no, God will take care of my child? Uh, that would almost be seen as child abuse. Well, here again, God has given us an opportunity to save lives. 
we, I think, as believers should say, hallelujah, and thank you, and let me get on my knees, and then let me roll up my sleeve. But people believe that there is side effects to the vaccines, and deaths are happening from the vaccines that we're not talking about. True or false? I, I don't think that's true. I think that's being scrutinized intensely by FDA. It's tricky because there is a registry where anybody who had any kind of medical problem plus or minus a few weeks of when they had the vaccine deposits that information. The vast majority of those, the vaccine had nothing to do with it. When you have this many hundreds of millions of people uh, being assessed, there are gonna be other things that happen. And yet I think people are trying to say, oh, that's cause and effect. Uh, and the vast number of those, it's not. It's a coincidence that somebody had a medical event at the same time or within a few weeks of when they had the vaccine. The very careful way we look at this is in these randomized control trials, 30,000 or more people for each of the vaccines tracked now over more than a year. We can really see if there's a side effect, we will know because we'll have the right control group that got a placebo and the group that got a vaccine. And the question is, is there a difference? We have discovered, yes, there's this rare clotting problem with J&J. &J. There's this rare problem of myocarditis or pericarditis with the mRNA vaccines, which is fortunately reversible. Those are well-documented. They are in the fact sheet. People should know about them. But beyond that, all of the other claims that are put out there about things that have happened to people with vaccines, you should be really skeptical about whether that's documented or whether that is just a coincidence and not a cause and effect. There you have it. You're not going to hear anybody more informed on the data. You're not. You're not going to hear anybody more understanding of DNA and RNA. You're not. You're not going to hear anybody who's more aware of what's happening around this epidemic slash plague. I say, I, I, I hesitate to say plague because when I think plague, I think boils that are all over my body and half of the world dies. And we're not, we're not seeing that kind of thing, but it is an important issue. And we just heard from the, uh, I believe the most intelligent guy we could give you on the matter. So I care for you, I care for you. And you know, as far as the aggressive life is concerned, I know people are upset that I talk about this. I am. I only am because I care about you and I love you. I don't even know you. I love you. I don't, I don't want needless deaths. So we brought this and brought your questions so you could hear some information that might save your life and might give people around you a lot less pain. So that was the aggressive move for me. It wasn't a political move. It was an aggressive move to help you. It's called the aggressive life. So I made it. Dr. Francis Collins, we heard straight from you. Thank you for taking your time. Very, very helpful for us. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be with you. And for anybody listening who's still not vaccinated, please hit the reset button on whatever you heard. Go and look at that website, getvaccineanswers.org. See what's there. And then think about whether this is actually an occasion where you're being called to do something that's really going to be beneficial, not just to yourself, but to others. Uh, we, it's not too late for that, and we're still in a pretty tough space with this virus, and the best chance we've all got is to get everybody in the best possible immune state, and that's what the vaccine is designed to do. You've been so generous with your time, brother. You have a great day, all right? 
You too, Brian. Thanks a lot for the chance to talk about this. Blessings on everything you're doing. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you. All right. Bye now. All right. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to briantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? If you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.